Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Over the past few months, COVID-19 has almost overnight profoundly changed our way of living. Countries have closed their borders and we've had no access to our church buildings, to schools, to shops, to restaurants, to family or friends. Even now, we are told that we will have to learn to adapt to this new norm, to this new way of living for many months and maybe even for years to come. To us, it's been a great shock and a surprise. And yet, Ecclesiastes tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. Many of those characters in the Bible tell us that in our 21st century coronavirus world, we will often have to learn how to adapt to circumstances we do not want and do not desire. For instance, Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were suddenly captured and forcibly locked down for 70 years in a country that was completely alien to them and to a new way of life that they had never experienced before. They teach us that the way to look, the way to react to our new norm is to focus on God and all that he has and is for us. It would have been so easy for Daniel and his friends to long for the wife back in Jerusalem, for the worship based on the temple building. And no doubt they, like us, longed for the old ways to return. It would have been so easy for them to feel sorry for themselves and to feel that they've been hard done by and that they would refuse to work in any way with this new Babylonian society that was their new norm. And yet what we see is the exact opposite. They actively embrace their new norm. They work really hard in the society that they are in, to bless it and to prosper it. They use their God-given gifts to benefit and bless the workplace and their education system and those in authority and the culture around them. And why did they do that? Because they lived out God's word to them in their new norm. The prophet Jeremiah had written to them as exiles in Babylon, telling them to build houses, to settle down, to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Daniel and his friends teach us that God calls us to engage positively with our new norm, to bless the world around us, even when we are in situations and circumstances which we do not like and do not want. Facing their new norm, they knew that they could trust in God and his word. He is the God of promises, the God who promises that you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
The God who promises that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So as we face our new norm, will we actively embrace it as an opportunity to bless others and the world around us, having first sought out God and his promises to us? Daniel and his friends in their new norm always retained a God-centered focus. When there was a conflict between God's ways and the ways of the world and the society that they lived, they always followed God's ways. Even if that meant trouble and suffering for them. So we see that Daniel is commanded to eat food that has been offered to an idol, but instead he politely and graciously requests a diet that is more honouring to God. We see that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego actively embrace their new norm of Babylonian society and they work really hard to bless it and prosper it, but they draw the line when they are commanded to bow down and worship an idol of Nebuchadnezzar as a god. We see that Daniel, through an unscrupulous change in the law, is ordered that he cannot pray anymore. But instead, he deliberately opens his window so that everybody can see him. He turns around to face Jerusalem and he gets down on his hands and knees and prays and thanks God for the situation that he is in and all that God has been faithful to him over the years. Even when society said, you can't do it. Daniel and his friends teach us that when there is a conflict between God's standards and God's values and the ways of society, we must always follow God's ways. They recognised that God is in the business of redeeming society, redeeming society to his standards and to his ways, and he uses us to do it. God calls us, his people, to lead society, to lead the world into God's norms and not for us to follow the norms of the world. Romans 12 puts it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well established to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the very best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So as we face our new norm, 
Will we face it by refusing to compromise on God's standards, knowing that God's heart is to transform society to his values? However, the devil hates it when we stand up for God. Daniel is thrown into lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego end up in a fiery furnace. But God sends his angel to protect Daniel in the lion's den. And Jesus himself walks hand in hand with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the midst of their fiery furnace. Daniel and his friends teach us that if we put God first, no matter what the cost and no matter what the consequences, we need not fear because God will never leave us nor forsake us. They recognised that God is Emmanuel, the God who is with us in every situation we will face. He is the God who has written our names indelibly on the palms of his hands. He is the God who goes before us and who fights our battles for us. He is the God who leads us in triumphant procession in Christ Jesus. He is the God who is our rear guard and who's got our backs covered. And he's the God who sends his angels to encompass around us and to be all around us, protecting us and keeping us safe. So as we face our Red Sea or our fiery furnace experiences, the word of Isaiah is a promise to us. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So as we face our new norm, will we trust God as Emmanuel, the God who promises no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. But Daniel and his friends didn't know for certain whether or not God would rescue them from the certain death that they were facing. And yet they trusted God nevertheless. And why was that? Because they trusted God and viewed their lives from an eternal perspective. And when we view our lives from an eternal perspective, God is glorified. In the faith of Daniel and his friends, King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius both see a glimpse of the wonder of God and they end up passing decrees that God, that Yahweh, is the one who is to be worshipped and praised in their lands. Daniel and his friends teach us that when we are faithful, viewing our lives from an eternal perspective, God is glorified. Talking of all the heroes of the faith, Hebrews 11 puts it this way. They saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of the promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. For clearly those who live this way are, bringing, are longing for the appearance of a heavenly city. And if their hearts had been remembering what they had left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. But they couldn't turn back. 
for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater, that is, the heavenly realm. So because of this, God is not ashamed to, in any way, to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. But sometimes we don't see all that God has promised us in our own lifetime, because the fulfillment of God's promises can only be understood from an eternal perspective. You see, Hebrews 11 goes on to say this, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole, their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. How amazing is that? One day when Jesus comes again, the faith of all the believers over the millennia will come together like pieces in an incredibly beautiful and wonderful jigsaw and we'll be able to see the whole complete picture of what God's redemption plan for the whole of creation is. But until then, all we can see is our piece in the jigsaw puzzle. And when we look at our piece in isolation, we can't see the big picture. We can't see everything and things begin to come unclear and often are confused. But we're called to trust him nevertheless. In Corinthians 13, Paul tells us, For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. So as we face our new norm, will we view our lives from an eternal perspective so that God will be glorified through us? And in their new norm, Daniel and his friends recognised that God is the one who is in ultimate control. Not Nebuchadnezzar, not Darius, not coronavirus, not your boss, not anything, but God. God is the one who spoke the world into existence. He is the one who created the whole universe. He is the one who is sovereign over all. He is the one that every knee will bow before him and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Psalm 33 puts it this way. Now with breathtaking wonder, let everyone worship Yahweh, this awe-inspiring creator. Words were breathed and worlds were birthed. Let there be, and there it was, springing forth the moment he spoke, no sooner said than done. With his breath he scatters the schemes of nations who oppose him. They will never succeed. But his destiny plan for the earth stands sure. His forever plan remains in place and will never fail. Daniel and his friends teach us to put our faith in God as the one who has complete control in every aspect of our new norm. And as Christians, we've even more evidence to trust God in our new norm than Daniel and his friends had. Romans 
8 puts it this way, God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give us. We can have complete confidence and trust in God for our new norm. Hebrews 11 defines trust or faith this way. The assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, the Greek word used here for assurance means to be under a legally binding agreement that is guaranteed to be delivered because the person underwriting it is both totally willing and totally able to deliver it. In other words, we can have total confidence that God is both willing and able to bring about whatever he wishes to come into existence. And the Greek word here for the expression, things not seen, implies bringing into reality what is already in existence in the spiritual realm and making it exist in the physical realm. Our God is the God who calls the things that are not yet as though they are. Our God is the one who sees the end from the beginning. In Isaiah 46, he tells us, I declare from the beginning how it will end and foretell from the start what has not yet happened. I decree that my promises will stand and I will fulfill my every plan. You see, God is in ultimate control of our new norm. And he sees our future and he knows how we're going to react to it. And he knows us so intimately. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. In fact, Psalm 139 puts it this way. God is the one who knows every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spur me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. He knows we all experience times of testing, but God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature and timing of every test or trial you will face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him, to trust him more for along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. We know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. And his plan and purpose for us, his very best for us, is that we become more and more like him. We become more and more like Christ. 
And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. And as Christians, we have a greater revelation than Daniel and his friends as to just how all-powerful, all-wonderful, all-loving, all-caring, all-merciful, all-gracious, all-kind, all-conquering God is. We know that Jesus is exalted as the first above every ruler, above every authority, above every government, and above every realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. We know that through Jesus, God has forgiven all our sins, wiped the slate completely clean, cancelled out our old arrest warrant and nailed it to Christ's cross. He has stripped all the spiritual talents in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. We know that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead reigns in us and will raise us from the dead. We know that we are more than conquerors in every situation we will face through Christ who loved us. With God on your side like this, how can we lose? If God doesn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen. Who would dare even point the finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. So as we face our new norm, Daniel and his friends teach us that we are to focus not on what we will face in our new norm, but who we face in our new norm. Not what our new norm will look like, but who we will look to in our new norm. Not what our new norm holds for us, but whose hand we will hold on to in our new norm. Whose hand will we hold on to when we're walking through the fiery furnace of whatever situation it may be? Because they recognised that holding on to God's hand meant that they would come through their fiery furnace one way or the other. 
And we can hold on to Jesus' hand because he's walked the fiery furnace of the cross for us. He walked the fiery furnace of the cross alone for us so that we never have to be alone in our fiery furnace. He walked the fiery furnace of the cross for us and he offered up all our sins and all our mistakes and all our failures and everything as a burnt offering in that fiery furnace of the cross for us so that we can be free to hold his hand forever. He walked through the fiery furnace for us so that we can hold on to his hand. And as he walked through the fiery furnace of death and into eternal life, as we hold on to his hand, we will walk through the fiery furnace of death and into life eternal. That is why we can view life from an eternal perspective. So as we face our new norm. Let's hold on to the hand of Jesus. Let's look into his face. Let's trust him. And it may be you're saying, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to do that so, so much. But I've never held on to Jesus's hand. I've never given him my life. Well, why don't you just do it now? Why don't you just, wherever you are, pray with me now? Join me in this prayer. Jesus, I want to praise you that you walk through the fiery furnace of the cross for me. I want to praise you that you have put my name indelibly on the palms of your hand and that as I look at your hand, yes, my name is there, but yes, the nails of the cross are also there for me. And Jesus, I want to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I say sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. Sorry for all the mistakes I've made. Sorry for all the times I've walked my own way without holding your hand. But Jesus, I know you're holding out your hand to me now. And I accept your offer of your hand held out to me. And I will grab it with my whole being. And I will never let go, just as you will never let go of me. And I know, Jesus, that you will lead me through whatever fiery furnace I have to face. You will lead me and you will hold me and you will protect me and you will be there for me and you will fight for me and you will rescue me even through death itself because I can be with you forever. Amen, Jesus. I offer you my hand as you offer me your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. So, bless you all. Hold on to Jesus. 